I'm Alexis. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Controlled Chaos, where we will bring you into the world of the Las Vegas hospitality industry. Thank you for spending some time with us today and let the chaos begin. Hi everyone, and thank you for joining the chaos today. I'm your host, Alexis, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie. Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, party people. I'm Katie. So I've been in the event planning industry for about eight years now. I started in catering and conference and I've kind of worked my way up through the DMC space. We'll talk about the DMC space in a little bit. <laughs> but um, the reason I kind of got involved in events and everything was just because I love celebrating. I had a notorious childhood where I would always throw these like elaborate parties. So it kind of just made sense that I was in events. Um, outside of work, I really enjoy working out, being with my friends, and drinking espresso martinis. <laughs> um, I have a lot, and I'm sure you guys will learn more about me as this podcast podcast <laughs> progresses. Um, but Alexis, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. <laughs> nice to see you again. Um, so my journey's a little bit crazier. In high school, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Oh. And so I was training. I was like shadowing in ERs, like really wanted to be head of trauma and surgery. I got to college and I hated you it. You are a head of trauma and surgery. <laughs> in the events world. So I attended an event at UNLV and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I said, I'm going to plan this event one year. And yeah. Switched my whole major oh, and wow. joined the hospitality industry and it was the greatest moment of my life it was it made school so much fun and I'm really passionate about everything that I do and I've done pretty much anything you can think of I've done retail I've worked front desk on the strip which is crazy in itself I've done marketing I've worked for the Raiders and now I'm the senior event manager at Best Agency yes she is (laughs) (laughs) so yeah So we kind of just wanted to bring you guys this podcast to speak about Las Vegas, the industry here in Las Vegas, all the things that go into events, and then all the things that just go into servicing you when you come to Vegas to party. So if you would like to learn more, we are going to kind of dig into me and Alexis's background. And then throughout the podcast, we'll be interviewing different people in different niches, and you guys will learn a lot about the events world and all the Las Vegas secrets. So join us, and we're really excited to have you guys. Katie, I have a question for you. Yes, what's up? Today, you texted me and told me that I could come over a little bit later because you had a pre-con meeting to attend. Yes. What's a pre-con meeting? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. So in the catering conference events world, when clients like your corporate clients, for example, like your Facebooks, your Apples of the world, they come in for their conferences where people come to attend for educational seminars, to celebrate their business, whatever that conference may be. We have, as event planners, internal meetings with the whole operations team for the hotel as well as who's ever involved in the event. And it's called the pre-con, which is a pre-convention meeting. And that kind of overviews. You get to meet the team for person the first time because you've been pre-planning with them. And now you're finally in execution phase. And everyone kind of just goes around the table and introduces themselves, tells you what their role is. Because as you guys will learn on this podcast... There is so much more to event than just someone buying balloons and putting them up, especially when you get into the huge conventions of Vegas. You have a department for pretty much everything you can think of to your culinary, to your meeting services, to your, I don't know, like 
AV, your technology, there's a little niche for everybody. So when I first was brought into the catering conference space at Phoenician, I learned about so much and it would took like at least 30 to 50 people just to throw one simple event together. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people have planned like a birthday party or a friend's dinner and it's like that times a thousand. So a pre-con is a really good example of like coming together, learning who's who, knowing who your touch bases are throughout the pro- like throughout the conference so you know who to talk to. Yeah, that's pre-con, of course. I'm going to ask you, because you talked about it today as we were getting ready, because Alexis is about to go to a parade. What do you do in, like, the sense of parades? What does your town company really do? Like, explain to me a little bit more about your job. Yeah, so at Best Agency, we we are, like, a one-stop shop. We do everything from models to talent to circ performers to events to marketing so we have two warehouses full of stuff and so we really are a one-stop shop which i absolutely love um so one thing that we do is the parades at downtown summerlin we do the halloween parade the holiday parade chinese new year parade and the lay day parade the parades to be (laughs) honest um yeah you're planning them all so that's cool and i when my boss, she's like a, a mastermind at doing these parades and her and Romel and John are fantastic. And I don't know how they pull off what they pull off. And I literally just show up and stand at a stop and tell kids when to, <laughs> to where to stop to do their performance. And so I, I just that. come in on the back end and I just help out. But we have floats. We have a team that builds our floats um, internally. Um, yeah, it's really awesome. So that's like really cool because I feel like this is very not known about the events industry but it happens a lot is that there's like artists and production and carpentry and welding and all of these industries that kind of fall into our (laughs) industry and people don't realize that like you could be an artist and work for an event company or you can be an entertainer and work for an event company so I think it's really cool that we can do all that and like you were just showing me some pictures today um, about like this float that like a man literally built like a fake haunted house on a float, which the is Adam's just family house. It's so cool. Like you literally like events kind of bring like your imagination to life. And it's really awesome that we have the opportunity to kind of do that. But I love that. So that's kind of what we do as people on our day to day, but you'll learn a lot more about us. <laughs> Probably a little bit too much. <laughs> Way too much. Um, what's your proudest moment so far in events? Oh, in events specifically. That's a hard question. Um, I have two that come to mind, but I'll speak about one because it's a little bit more recent. I was asked to be on a cruise ship planning an event. So for example, this company bought out the whole cruise ship and I was in charge of planning, executing all these events and Cruise ships are pretty much hotels on a boat, which is literally insane because it's like a whole little city running itself. But it brings an extra layer of stress because you can't just run to the store if you forget some batteries or you can't just run to like Target to grab whatever you may need for that day. So we were pre-planning so much and I was just trying to think of like, okay, if this happens, what can I do? Like I'm in the middle of the ocean. (laughs) Um, But it was one of the most rewarding events. We went up to the coast of Alaska and it was so cool because you're living on the ship. You work with the ship crew, which is a whole different world for me. And you also just get to learn like 
to deal with your resources that you have on site. Like if you don't have enough batteries, you figure out like a second solution, which is something that I always used to do. I was in off-premise catering for a little bit. And like, once you're on site, you got to figure it out. Like there's nothing to hold you back. And I think it's also good to remind yourself that like, it's just a party at the end of the day and it's nothing. I'm not doing trauma and surgery. (laughs) I am, I am making sure people have a good time and creating memories. So you want, it's important in the sense that they're going to remember this forever However, it's not life or death situations. And sometimes we get in that thought process that it is. And a lot of planners get stressed. And I'm sure just your average person who's planned a party for themselves for their house, they're like, oh, my God, I forgot the eggs. And you're freaking out because you forgot the eggs. And you're texting a friend to get the eggs or whatever that might look like. So it is a stressful situation. But at the same time, you just kind of like take a back seat and you're like, give them a few beverages and they're having a great <laughs> time. But I do think that was one of my proudest moments and events is being able to execute on international waters in a different country and with limited resources and learning how to just kind of go with the flow because that's something every event planner knows a little too well, either not to go with the flow or you just kind of like you have to you have to figure it out because we're all type A people in this industry, unfortunately. <laughs> that's fact. Yes. <laughs> but what is your like proudest moment? What do you think you're most proud of in events specifically? Yeah, so I have been learning how to do a run of show and call a show. What is a run of show for our listeners? Yeah, a run of show is absolutely insane. Um, So it basically says exactly everything that's going on at what time. So each cue, and then you have different line items. You have one for the stage cue, who's on the stage, what the audio cues are, what the video cues are, what the lighting cues are, notes in the script. So you have everything when you're calling a show, especially for a charity. Um, And I had to call my first show for a smaller charity. And I was really nervous because that's hard. Like not anyone can do that. Right. You, you think it's a specialty. That? Yeah. Yeah. But it's a specialty. And, um, I've been learning how to do that and I did it and it was successful and it was scary. And it's good to have, like you said, making connections with people and having a good team, because if you know your audio team is there and great and you guys love each other, if you forget something or you mess up, they're there to also catch your cues and make sure that everything runs smoothly. Can you give us like a real life example for someone who's never been to like a gala or something of like what a run a show would be like if it like what event would you be at that you had to run a show? Yeah. So um, charity events for sure, like charity galas, huge galas we have a run of show would be for the event portion. So after everyone has their cocktail party and they're coming in for the main room, it'll put put on there like the first line I'll be like cocktail party starts at this time it's this many minutes make sure we're show ready 10 minutes before right and then first person comes up on so host comes up on stage um audio on their mic this logo is going to be on the screens behind them blah 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 so the person speaks and does whatever um you go down minute by minute say there's a video it'll say like live auction item number one video plays Mm -hmm. it'll say the runtime of the video and during the run of show the person running the video will be like 10 second countdown blah blah so that you can prepare for the next thing that's coming up see and like when you guys all just walk into a ballroom or space like this has already been done so you never see the back end of how much pre-planning that goes in and I've seen run of shows really down to like the second Mm -hmm. like by three second increments of like this award needs to go in this person needs to be speaking and this person needs to be prepping how many people do you think you have like helping with the run of show? Like do you have your main caller and then how many people like on the team getting the speaker ready and mm-hmm. then this person for the next speaker ready or something? 
Yeah. So depending on the size, you have the person calling the show. You normally have the audio tech, um, someone running the video, someone running the lighting. Um, sometimes you have a second audio tech if like any, they need to run up a different microphone or anything. And then you have the stage runners and a stage manager. So the runners will go out to the crowd and grab the people that are supposed to be speaking gotcha. earlier to make sure that they are there on time. Gotcha. The stage manager will like send people up on stage, make sure the awards are given, make sure everything's good. And the stage manager is normally on clear comms with the person calling the show. What's a clear comm? So it's so that that person, it's like a walkie talkie. Oh, okay. you can all hear each other and you can just talk. So normally we'll all keep ours off for now. And then so that the person calling the show is the only person talking. And then you can hear all of the cues so that, you know, so she'll be like, okay, Alexis, make sure that this person goes up now. Hold them. Don't bring them up yet. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Send them. Gotcha. So it's just to get all the cues. And how flexible do you feel like you have to be in this role? Like, does something happen where the speaker is in the bathroom or you have to figure something out? Like, at what points do you have to stall the show? Do you have to kind of keep it on time track? Do you have to speed it up at some points? Like, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, you have to be super flexible and make sure that you're paying attention to literally everything. Mm-hmm. Um, some people... This is why <laughs> scripting is very important. You need to script everybody, okay? And what does scripting mean for... They need to write down what they're going to say. So, like, what's coming up on, like, a teleprompter? Yes, or, like, okay. have it on a podium in front of them. I hate podiums, but they need to have right, something, something in front of them and know their speech or know they only have a certain amount of time. Yeah. Because then some people get on stage and then it's, like, 20 minutes. And, and no one's and paying attention plans. anymore. You've lost everybody. Yeah. Like, you're here to raise money and you just lost everybody because this person has talked nonsense for 20 minutes. That makes sense. And I'm sure every person in the audience has been to some type of party or movie or something that's kind of lagged on a little too long. So... Us as event professionals make sure that we keep it on a timely to keep people engaged because that's the biggest thing is keeping your audience engaged. And especially with all the technology now, like our attention spans have been shrunk. So it's hard to kind of make sure people enjoy and do those times and stuff. And then for those of you that like don't know, when you are at like a general session or a keynote talk or anything like that, the speaker on stage does usually have like a teleprompter that has what they're supposed to be saying or like their slides that are behind them. So if you've ever watched like a TED talk, those people actually don't memorize like 30 minutes of what they're saying and they don't improv. Well, they might like improv to like their speech, <laughs> but there's usually a teleprompter and there's also like a timekeeping mm-hmm. on the stage usually that I've seen. And I'm not as much into the techie world as you are, but like it keeps them on track. So they know they only have 10 minutes to talk. So it's a 10 minute countdown. So they know when they look at this time, it's things. So even these speakers, it's kind of nerve wracking. Like if you have a lot to say and then all of a sudden you look at your time and you're like, oh shoot, it's like five seconds left. Like so you got to wrap it up. So that's why a lot of people get paid a lot of money to be keynotes because it's, it is like practice and timing and keeping your audience engaged and all of those things. So that's super cool. I didn't know you ran shows. That's kind of cool. I've only ran one. I normally am the stage manager. I'm still learning. Well, so honestly, <laughs> we're in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of my goals is to learn how to be able to call a show and like, Love that. Really write the cutie cues. I've been getting better at writing cutie cues. It's so hard with like technical terms. Like those oh, are the I'm sure. terms you have to learn. Yeah. Um, Which we'll go over later in the podcast. We're not in the, I'm not a match in the tech world, <laughs> but you might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of keeping people engaged because they have small attention spans. Yes. What are some ways that you um, keep people engaged during events? So that's a really great question. So it kind of depends. I work for a DMC, which stands for Destination Management Company. We usually help planners from their like, 
<laughs> I don't care. Uh, Alexis did just spill a little bit of espresso or TV on my carpet. I fine. am so sorry. We're fine. It's not the worst thing that's been on that carpet. <laughs> okay, so what was I talking about? DMCs. DMCs. Okay, so it's a destination management company, which means that we sell our destination. So I work for a company that sells Las Vegas to event planners. So when your company of ABC company needs to plan an event and they have all these different cities to go to, I am selling Vegas because I think Vegas is the best city. It can do all the accommodations. It's what you're looking for, so on and so forth. But the planner that works with the company, who's usually a corporate planner, doesn't know Vegas as well as I do and doesn't have the same connections as I do. So they will hire us to help like their team and to execute because we can negotiate with our vendors. We can help with the hotels. We have those connections. We have those things. So that's why I'll, we kind of come in handy and we also are those liaisons. So it kind of depends on like what the client is looking for. I tend to see for engagement, it, especially when we used to do like online engagement, like doing some gamification within the event. So if you're online and you're like a, everyone's been on a Zoom that's lasted way too long, but like you're online and like halfway through your, you know, training session, you get like a little fun game that you have to play to keep you, you know, motivated. Or I've done where like I've had a comedian on break where you kind of split up like the business talk with a little bit of pleasure to keep them engaged. And it's also always, always, and I stress to the clients so much, like know your audience. If it is a bunch of, and I don't want to be stereotypical, but if it's a bunch of like 50 to 60 year old men, don't bring them to a very like, I don't know, vegan restaurant. Like you're going (laughs) to want to bring them to a steakhouse. Like they want their meat and potatoes and their whiskey. Like, so it's knowing like what your clientele likes and that's going to be different. And as companies are getting bigger and growing, the demographic is getting bigger and growing. So we've kind of adapted to like having a little piece of an event for everybody because you have your introverts that attend events. So they want that like kind of quieter chill area where it's not like dancing and stuff. And then you have your extroverts where I will be and dancing on the dance floor. So you kind of have to learn how to break out your event into ways that to keep your individual attendees engaged. And that's learning about who they are as a company and what they believe in. Like, for example, I'm working with Petco right now. Everyone who probably works at Petco probably has a love for animals and likes to work with animals or has pets. So like, obviously we're going to have therapy dogs and dogs at this conference and pets are going to be the main focus because that shares a common value. So like keeping them engaged in that way, I wouldn't have Petco and then not have any pets or have like an animal cruelty (laughs) outside because they're not going to like, that's not who they're going to respond to. And so I think it's just being really important of knowing how to keep your people engaged also having a little bit of space for everybody at an event. If that's a quiet space where people can more network, if that's dancing space. And then as like, you know, intolerances go, like people's dietary has been coming like a huge, huge thing. So like making sure you have something where it's like inclusive and diversity. And I know that's like being shoved down our throats and every other which way in companies right now, but it is really true. Like having something for everyone so then they feel included, it will make them more comfortable and then will make them more able to be there it's just like when you go to a birthday party or a fun party and like your friend understands that you don't like to go dancing so they're like let's just go to the dinner instead and you don't have to come dancing after like it just makes you feel more included and makes you feel like i i got thought about today so that's that's a really cool thing but yeah that's how i think about like engagement it's hard though yeah (laughs) it's hard 
Um, let's see. I have a question for you. <laughs> At what moment were you in events that you thought like, yeah, this is going to be the career for me. Like I can make money doing this. I like doing this. It doesn't feel like I'm going to work every day. Like what was that like turning point moment? Cause you went from trauma and surgery, which <laughs> I argue she still deals with a lot of trauma. Maybe not so much surgery, but who knows what can happen on events. <laughs> but like what made your like brain, like, yes, you said you were at UNLV, but like, what was it that like clicked for you? Yeah. So when I first attended Premier UNLV, which is the longest standing annual tradition event at UNLV. Um, it's their welcome week event for students and faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, attending that and helping run that, I was like, wow, like people actually do this for a living and this is fun. You know, it's kind of stressful, but it's fun. And so I told myself, I'm going to plan this event before I leave UNLV. And two years later, I was a director of events for the students of the Rebel Events Board. And I was planning a premiere UNLV. That's awesome. And I didn't realize how much went into an event. I had obviously been doing the classes and everything. Yeah. But I didn't realize how much went into an event until I started doing that. And it took a whole year to plan. We had the shirt turn red, certain locations on the strip. So yeah. getting in contact with the link and um, the Venetian having everything go red and stuff. Right. That's a lot. There was a lot that went into it. But I really, really loved it. And I was super passionate about it. Um, while I was in college, I was working front desk and I thought I wanted to be a front desk um, manager and GM of a hotel. Did you grow up in Vegas? I did. Like born and raised. I was born and raised in Vegas and I did. Okay. Yeah. It's full circle that I'm in the hospitality industry because my dad is in the hospitality industry, lighting director, sound, all that stuff. And my mom was a stage manager growing up. So I always grew up behind the stage. Gotcha. So you knew, but like, didn't know, no. Yeah. Now, did your parents ever advise you not to go into the hospitality industry? So funny story. My mom was all in. I called her. I had dropped all my classes and I called her. I said, I can't. I'm like, I'm going to switch my major. I want to plan events. And my mom was like, okay, go ahead. Like I'm supporting Mm -hmm. everything. And my dad, which is hilarious. um, He goes, you can't, the hospitality industry is not a career, Alexis. And I, (laughs) you're like, it's your career. He looked him dead in the face. And I said, you are literally in the hospitality industry. And he said, no, I'm not. And I said, okay, go and ask your friends and come back. And the next day he came back and he said, you can definitely join the hospitality industry. It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people in the industry that don't feel like they're in the industry. Like, Vegas is a very unique because it's casino. So like even all our dealers or car, everyone who works in a casino is technically in the industry and Vegas is a 24 hour city. So it's like insane. And I know those of you who are listening, who are in the hospitality industry probably understand the long hours, the customer service. It's like a whole new level. And those of you who are not think it's crazy that we work 14 hours, 15 hour days when that's like a normal Tuesday for us. <laughs> But it is, it's insane. And I don't think people, I honestly think if you have any experience in the hospitality industry, you can do any job there is because it's the baseline of customer service, learning about people, which people are in every industry. And then also your patience in your work ethic is usually very, very high. I have a lot of respect for people in the industry. Yeah, because you literally have to get yelled at and you have to just let them yell at you right. and say, I'm so sorry. What can I do to make it better? Right. Like, I know like, you're dumb, but, but just keep yelling at me. It's okay. And it is like, I just like, I always bring it back to my friends who don't know like what I do. Cause 
when I first moved to Vegas, I'm not originally from Vegas, but when I first moved here and I started working at the, the Venetian, people asked me if I lived at the hotel. And I said, no, do you live where you work? But even, even my own parents don't understand what I do. Like, they're like, oh, you were out partying all night. I said, no, I was at work. But like, it, like to your point, it is a fun, I'm always at parties. I can be stuck in a cubicle, like crunching numbers, but I am at a party. I get to have fun. I get to see very cool things. But it is, it's not like, it's a very hard industry. And I think at the same time, like we, people don't know, like people don't know what it is. And like to your dad's point, he thought he's probably in like technology, <laughs> and, like, he is. but so many different industries feed into the event industry and people don't realize how much. And it's like, you go, I told my one girlfriend, I said, think about having people over at your house. What do you have to do? You have to clean your house first. You have to make sure you have food to like host them. You have enough water. Not all people do this, but mostly if they, if they are having guests over, you make sure your bet, your guest room is all made up. You make sure you have extra towels, extra soap, whatever that is to like make that person feel comfortable. And I'm sure when anyone has ever traveled, sometimes you go into somebody's house and you feel very uncomfortable. Our goal in our industry is to make them feel like they're at home and they're comfy and all these things. And it's hard because everyone has a different definition of that. So it's like learning people and learning their definitions. And it's, it's not easy. <laughs> so I, I give a lot of shout outs to anybody, anybody who's listening right now in the service industry, in the events industry, who's ever dealt with customer service, kudos to you because it's hard. Um, what are you drinking right now? Oh, I am drinking <laughs> an espresso martini, you guys. As you'll learn to know, I love espresso martinis. I definitely jumped on that. I don't know, trend that I became it. And I think it's kind of starting to fade out, but it, I'm still going strong. White wine and espresso martinis I'll always have. Absolutely. What are you drinking right oh now? Gosh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I am also drinking espresso martinis. Um, I tried it once for, I was at like a liquor tasting for. That's different. I know it's the best thing ever. Interesting. I was at a liquor tasting for a charity event mm-hmm. and I tried this espresso martini. Shout out. I'm going to shout out the martini brand because I love it so much. Do it. And it's from a local. We might get a sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) It's from a local bartender. Love. 21 martinis. Ooh. It's the best. It's pre-mixed, which I normally don't like, but it's so worth it. Why haven't you taken me to get this espresso martini I will bring it over next time and that's what I'll have. Because I'm not going to lie. We have an event planning like group chat with a bunch of girls who are in the event industry so we can use each other as like resources. And... I don't know how many videos have gone in of just espresso martinis, and I'm pretty sure they're all geared towards me. But I also think I made all the other girls like espresso martinis. So if any of you TikTokers out there love, like, the pumpkin espresso martini, I will try that. I will try the Barbie yeah. one, all of those good things. Yeah, we're trying all of them. All of You'll them. also learn that every podcast we're going to have a different cocktail. We are, and we're going to talk about it, and we might even have a mixologist on the podcast one yeah. day. We'll see. Because... Who doesn't like a good alcoholic beverage <laughs> or a mocktail if you don't yes. drink, but yes. Okay. I know we're getting about to like 30 minutes, so we'll probably wrap this up, but I did want to ask you as we send off, we'll probably end every episode like this, but we'll see. Um, what is a quote that you live by? Ooh, you knew I was going to ask this and you got to get, she got a little mad. Um, <laughs> Cause it's a hard, it's a hard question. What is a quote that you either heard or you live by and why that resonated with you so It could be like a song lyric. It can be like a saying. You don't have to like know the quote verbatim, but like 
something that you live by or like that you, what gives you like energy to go through the day okay. like what's your motivation that you tell yourself your mantra okay it's okay to fail Ooh, I like that one. Can you speak a little bit about like why you think that so like resonates with you? Yeah, because people are so afraid of failing and what they do and getting something wrong and not being perfect. But that to me is how you learn. And I literally fail all the time. I have done, which we'll talk about. I've failed so many times. (laughs) Who hasn't? Who hasn't? (laughs) And so I think just like being okay with failure. That's a good, yeah. Like fail for it. Yeah. I love that. What about you? Um, so I am going to have to say that it's, it's this very long quote, but it's like shortened because it's actually like a poem and it's called live your dash. And when I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling, I don't even know who it's by. It's Linda something, but one of my really good friends passed away and this was read at her funeral. And pretty much the, the poem is about how on a tombstone, you see the, the, the date of their birth and then you see their date of their death. But in between is that little dash and it talks about how only those who like love you and all what you do, like it's represented in that dash. So you don't know when you go into a graveyard, you don't know anything about their dash, but the people who know knew them did. So it kind of just reminds you that like similar to yours, like it's okay. Like at the end of the day, we're all going to die and it's okay to like live and just be sure like when your life is over, like, are you proud of how you spent your dash? That's really beautiful. Thank you. Wow. I, I love, love that. that. I might get a tattoo. <laughs> that's really beautiful. So yeah. So that's one of my favorite quotes to live by. Um, you guys will probably see it in my bio. It's just, and if you have a chance to look up the poem, that it's very like, it's like eye opening. Um, Cause it is, it's true. Like who cares what you do from day to day, as long as you're proud of yourself at the end of the day yeah. and the people that you love know it. I love that. Yeah. Okay, before we end, give yeah. me a quick fun fact about yourself. Ooh, okay. A fun fact is that if I could turn myself into a mermaid tomorrow, I would. Me like, too. Like, I love the ocean. I love the water. I love swimming. I love everything about it. And I am 27 years old, and I still play mermaid. Me too. You want to go? <laughs> <laughs> okay, quick fun fact about you, and then we'll say goodbye. A fun fact about me is that I have been to 15 Imagine Dragons concerts, and they're my absolute favorite band. And, like, when we talk about a fan, maybe we'll have Imagine Dragons on here one day, because, like, dang, like, Alexis knew the brother's name, the son's name, like, everything. So, shout out to Imagine Dragons, because that was a fun concert, and we didn't drink espresso martinis right before. We did. We absolutely did. And that was fun. And again, we work in events, so we get invited to these fun things. So, yeah. Follow us on Instagram at controlledchaos underscore podcast. Bye. Bye.